2: For over a century now, technical and vocational education has played a major role in the everyday life of the country. In the early 1900s, the classes mainly involved technical instruction, and they were held in towns. In Europe at the time, scientific and technical exhibitions were all the go. The car was making an appearance in our cities and towns, and things technical began to matter. But Ireland's agriculture-based economy was at the heart of rural life for most of the 20th century and for most people, education ended after primary school. Then rural vocational schools emerged and offered classes along traditional lines, farm-based skills for the boys and domestic skills for the girls. But the system was also designed to innovate and respond to change.
3: The reign of the horse is ending, and the tractor is becoming an accepted feature of the countryside. But tractors are complicated and expensive machines. Great damage can be done to them by careless or unskilled management. These young men learn the correct way.
2: As the narrator from this Department of Education film from the late 40s suggests, there was a new world emerging down on the farm. This was a time of travelling teachers. The moon tore tachtel, going from village to village on his bicycle, with new knowledge packed into his portmanteau. And they had to make a name for themselves too, as Christy McSweeney from Killarney, a former VEC committee
3: member told me, "I knew a lot of travelling teachers. They were coming to various areas, a village like where there'd be a, a good, po- reasonably good population. But the teachers had come with a name too,
4: you know, a reputation." Lifelong learning is possibly the most important. Thing available today that wasn't available in the
2: 50s. As Patrick Kennelly, proprietor of Kerry's Eye newspaper, reminds us, education today is firmly focused on lifelong learning, changing and adapting with new skills for a more complex world. And this is a challenge facing the VEC in Kerry today, now called Kerry Education Service, bringing more people back to education for a positive learning experience on which to build. This was a theme selected by President McAleese, when she visited Kerry to mark the centenary celebrations and examine the carefully bound minute books that record a century of vocational education in Kerry.
5: One of the loveliest things I think you must be involved in is the opportunity to give a second chance to adults, to go back into adult education and to lifelong learning. Um, It's a marvellous thing and it's a wonderful gift to these more
2: recent generations. Has Kerry Education Service celebrated a century of learning and teaching in Kerry through the publicly managed VEC system? It was a time to review and recall the past. Causeway School, one of eight secondary schools run by the VEC in Kerry, hosted one such event. Students and teachers gathered. The past and the present vied for attention. As retired teachers sat and shared memories, students from different schools compiled a drama presentation on issues that matter to them today. Drama presentations are now beginning in the Assembly Hall. Drama presentations are now beginning in the Assembly Hall. I was going to tell you last week, but
6: I'm going to try to start it on my own at first. Oh man, what am I going to do? It's Susan. She's pregnant. Yeah, right. Jesus, you're serious. You uh, <laughs> <Good> God. <laughs> you idiot. Look, I'm going to tell my parents tonight. I just thought I should let you know. You're not going to listen to what I have to say. You didn't listen when
7: I wanted to talk.
6: But I want to talk now. It's really hard to get my head around all this.
7: Michael, you don't even care. You
8: said last week you didn't want anything to do with it. I'm sorry, but have you decided
2: what you're going to do? Kerry VEC students performing at Causeway School. A major centenary project for Kerry Education Service is the Kapanalee Outdoor Education Centre, a modern building set in the majesty of the McGillicuddy Reeks and run by Donal O'Dowd.
8: Sport is critical in terms of the education provision of Kerry Education Service. We see it as a centre stage. um, And as society moves further and further away from the countryside, these places get more precious. We have frontage onto both Capnally Lake, the big lake, Carl Lake. We have our own uh, rocks for rock climbing, um, orienteering on the hills around the centre and hill walking. And on both lakes were groups canoeing, sailing, windsurfing full platter. But what of the origins of all this?
2: What of the early days and the decades of change and innovative responses to the education needs of the population? Just before the turn of the 20th century, a Department of Agriculture and Technical Instruction was set up, and just the year before that, the County Council System was put in place. So by 1902 and 1903, education committees were set up in Kerry to give technical instruction as Dr Barney O'Reilly, the Chief Executive
9: of Kerry Education Service, outlines. Part-time classes, evening classes, geared at the sciences and commercial skills initially, and um, that would have catered to the needs of people in the towns, those who aspire to be uh, engineers or metal workers or uh, surveyors or uh, uh, people who worked in electricity, plumbers and gas fitters. A big group were the um, salesmen and people working in shops, who would study commercial subjects and both men and women. And um, there's a, an interesting thing to be noted that the numbers of women attending courses in the first two decades exceeded the number of men. For every two men, there were approximately three women. The domestic economy teachers were, were, were a staple for of the provision of the technical instruction committees from the very beginning. And these were women who ran classes in the permanent centres in these schools. And in Kerry, there were three schools from the early period. But there were also domestic economy science in or domestic science teachers going out into the countryside and setting up classes and it's very interesting that this domestic economy instructors that went to Carisavine, um wasn't fluent in Gaelic and was serving the needs of a significant number of women in the um, Ivra area whose first language was Irish but apparently she was unwilling to uh, meet their needs and as a result has gone down in song um, for the event
4: the home shame of Rome, the 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 fat's in the
2: fire and we're all in a stew. If you call yourself Moira or call Eileen, you can't boil potatoes in car The demand for Irish classes was there from the very beginning. Conrad o' had a proposal in for the first committee meeting in Tralee in 1902, although Irish wasn't meant to be included in
9: technical instruction. But they got around it in a way by suggesting that uh, a competition would be held for people competent in the Irish language to compose um, short pieces uh, on technical aspects of improved agriculture or uh, improved housewifery are generally practical science, quasi-scientific subjects and that the best of these essays would be published, circulated in the county and read aloud by competent persons who will explain its contents at those places where country people are in the habit of assembling, such as forges, crossroads and the neighbourhood of churches and the uh, Kerry Committee of the um, of Technical Instruction accepted this proposal and voted a £5 prize for the essays and published the booklets and set up their I- first Irish classes that way.
4: They, they geared the classes around anything you wanted. Uh, just the early 60s down in Port McGee, which was a very isolated village at that time, uh, they wanted a community hall. So... They built it under a teacher from the VC called Banbury, woodwork teacher. And uh, everyone signed up for the class. So the, the class was a class of uh, night schools where they learned building as well. And the skills that they learned in building the community hall enabled some of them to build their own houses and outhouses and farms. after. So it was a great grasp of first knowledge that you didn't have.
9: The big change in the 1930s was the introduce, introduction of what was called continuation education, which in in effect was a kind of poor man's secondary education. It was a secondary education for um, 14 to 16-year-olds. And the general analysis that had been carried out in the 20s suggested that lots of people were not in a position to avail of the technical instruction that was available because their general levels of education leaving the primary school weren't sufficient. And then they... Courses for 14- to 16-year-olds, particularly in places like Kerry, became the major focus of the work. The rural vocational school, whose job it was to contribute to the redevelopment of Irish agriculture as an economic and a social activity. They're
3: all between 14 and 16. They've finished in the primary school but have yet much to learn to fit them for the battle of life. Most of them will manage the farms and the homes of this district. For them especially, the next few years will be an important and useful apprenticeship.
10: Let's see what the vocational school can do for them. The boys did the rural science, the girls did the domestic science. John Joe O'Brien from Bonon, near Kenmare. But interested me most were the practical subjects they would work the drawing and the rule signs. For instance, the drawing, you would see some so-called educated people, even today, they wouldn't even be able to know what the drawing of a house would be. So we were, we were taught all that, and we were taught how to do it, and we understood the front elevation, side elevations, so on and so forth. And that was a great practical help to one in life afterwards. All life springs from the soil. It is our most valuable heritage, chief of our raw materials these boys are studying the properties of different types of soil the rural science then was also very important because it built a foundation for somebody going back to the farm because you learned all about potash nitrogen phosphates something which my father goes to soil maybe barely heard of you know but i would say in fairness to him and thanks to him he always allowed me to use whatever i learned in the vocational school to put into use on the farm.
2: Condonine is a retired school principal from Karasavine, and he has a sharp awareness of the social history that unfolded through the 40s and
11: 50s. The rural vocational school of course, the idea was to educate people for their own environment you know. At that particular time of course that was the whole idea. You remember Dev's famous speech in 43 about have no regard for material wealth only just to have more bright, cozy homesteads in the countryside and people being plied there and simple pleasures and, as you said, dancing and all this kind of stuff.
3: The ideal island that we would have, the island that we dreamed of, would be the home of a people who valued material wealth only as a basis for right living. Of a people who satisfied with frugal comfort, devoted their leisure to the things of the spirit. A land whose countryside would be bright with cozy homesteads, whose fields and villages would be joyous with the sounds of industry, with the romping of sturdy children, the contest of athletic youths, and the laughter of happy maidens.
11: That was the dream, you see, and the rural vocation school was fitting into that. It not to educate them to go travel out of their own environment at all. It was the girls go back and marry farmers and the boys would find employment in the area and so on and so on. Secretarial courses would not approved at all or allowed by the department in rural vocation schools. You'd be training the girls in typing and Shotton and luring them away from the land, away and there, and the official idea was that uh place was in the countryside and so on, you see. And um, rare families there, and that that was that was it, yeah. It's
10: true that, that the girls were in the kitchen, and I, I can remember after cycling from Banan and coming out of the woodwork room at, at lunchtime and to get a aroma coming out of the kitchen, you know. It was also the era
2: of the travelling teacher, as Tom Bambury, a former principal of Kinmare Vocational School, recalls. And in Tom's early days, itinerant teachers weren't offered much by way of bicycle expenses.
3: twopence a mile for 10 miles to twopence a mile for 10 miles uh, back. Nothing for the classes. We were not pay overtime. You got your monthly salary, no matter how many hours you did. The itinerant situation, I suppose, began very early on. Mihalo Rida, the man's a principal in Killarney for years. Uh, he was, I suppose, one of the first woodwork itinerant teachers in the country, not mine, Kelly, And their job, they had a set of equipment, and that was brought from village hall to village hall for short courses in woodwork in the old days. And how did they transport it? The local lorry driver. (laughs) They were not transport, but we... And Eamon Kelly... He was in that job before going to Waterville. Um, uh, uh, he, he was trained uh, on a course two years before me, on the thirty-eight party course.
4: I used to teach uh, woodwork, building construction, and drawing. And at first I taught around country This what they used to call an itinerant teacher, which made many of the people laugh, you see. The Montor tactical, but itinerant here had also the, the other connotation. And... Um, Then, after some time at uh, at that, I went to Waterville. There was a school there then, and I spent a couple of years there. I was there for the earlier years of the war. And from there, I came to Listowel.
12: And at that time, we used um, colour gas tanks, and, of course, electricity was unknown in these places at the time, and we had tilly lamps.
2: Like Shanachie, Eamon Kelly in the 40s, Edaline from Tralee was an itinerant teacher in the 50s. At that time, the aim was to have a vocational school in every parish. In many places, a school was built specially for the purpose. As Eamon Fitzgerald, Education Officer with Kerry Education Service, recalls.
13: One place in particular I could remember would be Rahin, which is a tiny place literally in the middle of the bogs between Ginigula and Kilcommon. Now, the site at the present day is a turf shed, but it was a thriving school in the 50s for a short time. Uh, And what happened there was the VEC came in and provided the uh, teachers for courses. And the school was literally built by a group of locals and by some, we call them mature students, who use it as a building project.
12: Well, right in was a, a primitive building, two rooms. We had a sink, of course, no running water, a Stanley range. And before we conducted the laundry exams, that water had to be drawn from a well. And the caretaker, of course, saw to that. And uh,
2: And what was involved in the laundry?
12: They washed and learned how to iron clothes properly, starch clothes, and um, in general to take care of clothes. They had to do a certain amount of needlework and a feature that doesn't exist now was what we called renovating. That was getting a large garment belonged to... (coughs) maybe an adult or whatever, and cutting that down and making a child's dress. Some of my pupils got on exceptionally well. They got scholarships and trained as cooks and chefs afterwards.
2: Eileen O'Callaghan from Killarney grew up on a farm near Raheen, and as a young girl cycled to night classes.
14: So it was about three, three three and a half miles, and after milking the cows at night, we cycled, I cycled, to Rahin Tech. He clearly that him um, Now, Mrs. Lee was the teacher. And she used cycle up from Baradov up to Rahin. And towards the end of the term, she said to me, she said, you show good potential, would you not try the exam? She says for Cambridge?" I got it. My father wasn't happy about it. My mother was more diplomatic and broad minded and looked more ahead and she said, Well if you want to go, I won't stop you. Now, the first year then, out of the, the first year, I was placed down at the Atlantic Hotel in Gadsden. Up every morning, to seven days, there were no things a of day off, there were no of day off. Even Sunday morning, they brought a priest in to the sitting room in the hotel to say the mass at seven o'clock, so as that we, they wouldn't waste time, that we wouldn't have to, to, to travel to the church. It came in, so that we turned up sitters and our day's work. And for seven days, seven nights. Only for Raheem Tech, and only for Mrs. Lean encouraging me, I say I would not be where I am today. And then when I got married, married into a farm above the town, small farm, and saw that and bought the Father Hotel in 68.
13: And then at night at the time, there was a buzz at night, of course, as well, where uh, certainly there would be memories of people bringing uh, the turf to keep the fire going. They would have the classes at night, either Irish classes or it could be building classes. And this would end up very often with uh, a bit of the rambling house storytelling and uh, a bit of music.
6: <laughs>
2: warm social gatherings and set dancing nights that were so much a part of rural life then were often looked on with disapproval by the clergy who wielded significant power at the time. Barney O'Reilly recalls some incidents recorded in the minute books of the VEC committees
9: in the 30s and 40s. And in February 1932... It would appear that um, he was concerned uh, a letter from the parish priest of Kilgarve stating that he had no objection to the holding of Irish classes under proper conditions anywhere in his parish that he considered the place where this class was held was being ho- as being wholly unsuitable that dancing was carried out to a late hour at night in the house where the classes where the class was conducted that complaints by some of his parishioners had reached him, and that he considered it a duty to object to it. Now the, the the linking of dancing with the teaching of Irish has been a is a, 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 a constant thing, and the Goilge organised fashions and big social events, which made the teaching of Irish very attractive. There's a and, and this continued right down into the fifties. There's um, Tom Coffey, who was the teacher of Irish in Listowel in the nineteen fifties, had as many as five hundred students enrolled in Irish classes there in the mid fifties. The same kinds of suspicions, I suppose, are reflected in any. Incident in the 1940s, where in order to um, assist accessibility to the continuation classes at the new Waterville Vocational School, the then energetic principal of the school, PB Branock, PB Walsh, a- and the staff of the school organised on a voluntary basis to to manage, to establish, manage and uh, and and run a hostel for
3: girls. Uh, there was no transport. He had trouble keeping tires on the bicycles. As I remember on one occasion bringing tires from the border counties, and uh, he had the idea. That there was a few vacant buildings in Waterville and the students, who were registered in September, they had make arrangements to stay in the hostel. The girls had a part and parcel of what was known as private police. There was a hall at the back of that. This or there. The boys had a place down the village with a few rooms and this is there. But
9: eventually the department did approve the payment of a grant by the committee and the then chairman of the committee, Dean Reading felt that this was quite offensive, he didn't think that it was an appropriate thing at all for the committee to be running hostel for girls and that uh, the risks were too high and he resigned in protest
11: There was another thing there uh, Dan now uh, there was a teacher telling me who was teaching in in Limerick back in the early 40s co of course was a very cheeky idea by uh, the vocational uh, sector wasn't it boys and girls educating them together. No, it was not approved. The local PP didn't approve of it. He insisted that the girls would be left out 3 quarts of an hour before the boys in the evening. The girls were left out a quarter by three, the boys at four. If you went back to the early 30s, I'd say I'm right in this, that the um, hierarchy didn't want... Sick, any other second able school except ones that were controlled by themselves. They were referred to by, at one famous meeting News as those godless schools.
2: So there was this ongoing tension between the clergy and the local VEC committees managing public education. Did that resolve itself over time? When did that
9: change? Well, there is a real sense in which you could say it hasn't changed at all that there, this tension between religiously managed and publicly managed education exists. Any place where there is, you know, talk about rationalisation, talk about the amalgamation of schools, that it does emerge as an issue. And um, it might be less of an issue now. In the
2: mid-20th century, some people were of the view that workers didn't need an education. But it was always a central part of VC policy, to link education to social and economic development. People needed jobs, and the 50s in Ireland was a time of poverty for
8: many, as Joe Tracy recalls. I started work in the technical school in Killarney in New Street, in 1953. Five teachers and four classes. The the town was poor. And, like, I can remember young lads coming to school would cut away wellingtons for shoes that was quite common uh, it was quite common that young lads would faint in your class for the want of food well this see it might be the want of food that they just rushed in, in the morning and if they didn't have that bit of a breakfast they didn't have a backup of food from days before that uh there were rich people and poor people, and uh, the big jump was 1959, 1960. Uh, the Lee pair started a factory back here, and they started taking apprentices. And they, they would, at times, at one stage, they came in and took a complete class from us. Those jobs were way ahead of anything that was around town at the time other than the couple, I said, technicians for the post office
13: and the ESP. Certainly 40s, 50s and 60s, the prized job for many people was the civil service. And to get to the civil service and to get in there, you had to have certain typing skills, certain typing speeds. Shorthand was a huge factor as well. And these courses were provided both by day and by night. The principal of Kenmare Vocational School, Tom Banbury, like others at the
2: time, was trying hard to get a commerce teacher appointed to his school. Nora O'Sullivan, who later succeeded Thomas Principal, started commerce and secretarial classes for girls in 1958.
15: You see, at that stage, very few people in Kenmare would even listen to you if you wanted them to leave home and try and uh, do civil service exams and things like that. So it took a lot of persuasion and a lot of encouragement to tell them they were good enough for that. You see, the boys had a certain, I suppose, college status, if you like, in having woodwork and maybe had the farms at home. The girls literally were very much looked down on, I think. And I mentioned one time that my greatest concern when I did come into the vocational school um, and for years after was that they were constantly more or less being looked down on as second class citizens. And what they needed more than anything else was a boost to them, that they were as good as anybody else. And that lesson was preached to them all the time. Now, they were very reluctant. They had to be taken to the train even to go for interviews. And all these arrangements John Joe's talks about came about because we had a past students' union. We had a branch in Canmare and we had a branch in Dublin.
2: Were you aware then, moving into the 60s, as Nora has outlined, when girls took secretarial courses and it meant for many that they left the area, mm-hmm. moved to the civil service in Dublin or
10: other towns or cities? Was that a change that you observed? Of course it was, because, you know, it didn't have... I was be president, and she was right to praise but it, it, it took away a lot of the ladies out of the social scene during that, that time because, uh, as Nora said, the jobs around Khmer were, were very scarce and even the tourist industry hadn't taken off. Then.
3: I remember a class of 13 or 14 girls sitting on a bus on their way to car to do a civil service exam. All of them got the civil service and three of them were in the Port Ten. Now, whatever about the last made made of those ladies, that was not a loss to the town. They helped their parents at home, they helped their younger siblings, brothers and sisters, but I got more joy out of those that, that I was uh, I was proud of the fight I, fight I made to have commerce in the school
9: after the 1930s the next big change for the publicly managed education system in Kerry and in Ireland generally was in the 1960s when it was decided that there needed to be a direct state intervention. If the ideal that was identified way back in the 1920s was ever going to be achieved, that was getting the bulk of the youth population into secondary education. So there a whole new era of the uh, of texts as secondary schools became part of the system.
11: Well, it was changing fast, you see, because when the enter and leaving came in, you were getting miles at a cross-section of students here, and you had to cater for them. You were to, every horse and entitled to jump the highest possible fence. The change was taking place, and uh, once we got the leaving cert in Waterville in uh,
6: 1978, Uh, gradually we became you know very much a second level school providing the range of subjects that we could but I think that uh, there was always a great emphasis on looking after the individual student particularly the individual student who mightn't be as academically bright as uh, as others and uh, you know the emphasis would be on trying to draw the best out of that student uh, given his talents and uh, trying to ensure that he would be or she would be prepared for a job in the the world of work afterwards.
2: Michael Donnelly, principal of Collochytnishgelligan, Carra which emerged from the amalgamation of schools in the area in recent years. The vocational school in Waterville was first opened in 1938. Following the amalgamation of schools, it is now an arts and adult learning centre, run by Fina De Bush. Her husband, Paddy Bush, taught in the old school, and he believes that the VEC has made a major contribution
8: to life in the county. It moved into geographical areas where uh, there was a need. It also moved into subject areas where there was a need in um, practical uh, trade type subjects, uh, which, you know, all schools have taken on now. Um, I suppose a democratisation of education... And a huge, huge contribution altogether in adults and continuing education, as as is shown in in Tech Amaragon here.
5: An awful lot of the activities that go on here reflect, you know, the mission statement of the VC, which is about providing education in a very, very wide sense to people. And, for instance, it can mean mean field trips at weekends, you know, where people are going to local um, archaeological sites, or it can mean people coming into Plays or poetry readings or doing workshops in art or whatever, you know, and allowing that kind of scope to diversify and to approach things in a different kind of a way, I think is what, you know, keeps kind of education alive for people.
13: The message that we would have said so often this uh, centenary year is if there are a group of people anywhere in Kerry, who feel that they would like to get a course organised, Care Education Service will get involved with them and provide the tuition in a local area. And that can be done at 11 o'clock in the morning just as easily as it can be done at 9 o'clock at night.
5: And, you know, I think that kind of flexibility and responding to the situations that it finds itself in, it's a good thing, and it, it presi- I think it, it really exists because the centre of power, so-called, is localised, you know, and still is. I'm talking to people I know in truly, you know, it's not faceless people in Dublin, and I suppose that's, that's quite important as well, that localisation of um, the administration of education, I think, is very important.
6: Lifelong learning is extremely important because life changes, and life changes now very rapidly. The demands in the workplace, the demands of being a parent the demands of being a citizen have become so sophisticated that there is no way that what you know by your, at, at the end of your leaving certificate is going to be sufficient for the rest of your life. The jobs for life idea, the, the notion that you, be, you, you went into a job at 19 years of age and you were still there when you were 59 is gone. Um, companies, as we all know, fold every day. People have to move uh, from one workplace to another. They have to work even in a workplace from one job to another. So there's a constant need for retraining, for re-education, for re-evaluation of what's going on. And that's, that's what's behind lifelong learning. It's to get across the idea that as human beings, we never stop learning.
2: John Kennedy, Adult Education Officer with Kerry Education Service. There are a range of programmes on offer to encourage people back to education. Mary Horley from Killarney did one such programme, the VITAS, or Voluntary Training Opportunity Scheme.
7: I left school when I was early, before I ever done my Leaving Certificate. So when my youngest child decided, went to school, I decided to go back and take up my own education and uh, kind of take up where I left off years ago. And I joined the VITAS programme and went on for two years to do my Leaving Certificate. And after doing that, and I'd done so well in it, I was able to go ahead and apply for a new business degree course in the IT in Tralee. When I I went back into um, school two years ago, I remember specifically now our first day in the maths class and the teacher put these X's and Y's up on the board and I was sitting at the back of the class and I just said, my God, what am I doing here? And I mean, obviously I was so long out of the system that these were just alien things to me altogether. But, I mean, the tutors in these places, you're in an adult environment and... They, are, they go beyond the call of duty in the work that they put into. They're just as dedicated as you are. Computers impact
2: on all our lives, but they have had a major benefit for people who are blind or visually impaired, like Liam Lynch and Toddy Carey, who runs the Braille IT programme.
6: Up to the early 90s, blind people had no way of using computers because they didn't have screen readers. But now it has opened up a new world for them. Here in the centre, here in Tralee, we have students from 17 up to, I'd say, 63 or four. And some of them email friends in Australia, they surf the internet, they can read Microsoft Word documents, they can scan newspapers, telephone bills, anything like that, onto a scanner, and the screen reader will read back the text to them. So, I mean, they have wonderful interest in the course.
3: One of the things I feared, that when I lost my sight, is I would also lose my identity as a person in the community. Then I heard of this course here in the in Tully and uh, I think it's our goal since that. And the success is every day's success is better than the next for me. Then it has been a wonderful experience. I can assure you that. And one of the things we did uh, uh, last year was to go to Cap-n-a-l-e. uh and did we did um, boating on the lake, which I think was one of the nicest things I ever did in my life. But you got but, in the canoes, yeah.
2: And We'd, he had a sighted person with us. a it, sighted you
3: know. person with us, and we did
2: great work on the lake. I never enjoyed anything as well. Anne Canelli is responsible for personal development in the Braille IT course. Different themes are developed for live performances. The group performed for President McAleese when she visited Kerry to close the centenary celebrations of Kerry Education Service. Bragis
5: is blindness in
9: its For blindness, blindness in its dark. Prejudice is, is
6: blindness, blindness in, itself. in itself. If I cannot put myself into the mind of another human being without understanding and compassion, then I am more blind than the
3: sightless. Prejudice
8: is blindness in itself.
3: If I cannot give you a voice without being helped myself, then I am voiceless.
2: Over 10% of the population in Kerry engage with Kerry Education Service in a wide range of learning programmes. A growing number of people now attend literacy and basic education programmes. People like Anne Ryle, who was chosen to address the President on behalf of adult learners in Kerry.
7: The first day that I arrived at the Adult Education Centre in Trilly, my confidence was so low I did not know where to begin. For twelve months in my handbag I brought the phone number of adult education service around with me. And every week or every day I put that piece of paper back in my bag. And one afternoon my daughter went into church class. She said, Mom, I got some maths that I can't do. I said, Jessica, I can't help you. I left school when I was 14. But she said, Mom, you're my mom. You have to help me. So adult education service did so much for me in the last 12 months, I cannot even begin to thank them. It's a fantastic thing when you have that problem. Another little thing I would like to share with you would be my first letter I ever wrote. It was to my brother in Boston and I have never ever wrote in He replied back to me and he said it was the nicest letter that he ever got from anybody. And another thing I'd like to share is that I went down to computers, something I knew nothing about. Then I went into summer class for two weeks during the summer, and that went out fantastic. I did a learn-to-learn on that. And these are my achievements. Um, I'm standing here today addressing the President of Ireland, President Mary Mackenzie. Morning, how my confidence has grown and the achievements that I have made in 12 months. So, my advice to anyone is out there who would like to have a second chance is go for it. The sky is your limit. Kerry Kerry Education Service will work with you to achieve your goal. Thank you. President
9: Mary Looking back and looking forward at the same time, I, I think it's possible to say that there are three major themes around publicly managed education as we know it. The first is that education is central to the economic and social welfare of individuals and of communities. And we have that up there in big lights. The second thing is that it is important that there are agencies planning education services for communities in those communities. And the third thing is that the people who undertake that planning process are representative. This is our democratic dimension. The Students in our schools are organised into a forum for their students' councils. Our adult students also have a forum. The parents' councils of our um, schools have a forum. Also, the representatives of the communities in each of the school boards of management, we have a forum for our school boards and for the employers and uh, Industry-related people in the in the county. There is one common thread, I think, throughout, and it's this disposition and this acceptance that it's the capacity to learn. Whether we're individuals, or organisations, or communities, putting together opportunities for learning, and our remit is creating opportunities for learning for the people of Kerry. I
5: know that there are the centenary celebrations formally closed the admirership of the Scarabulan Lilaman.